Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish age grade international player, now mindset and performance coach. And I help young ambitious players overcome setbacks, have more confidence and self-belief and ultimately get to the next level. If you're new here, welcome. Please subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you're a regular listener, you'll know that on the pod here, I chat with people at the top end of the game about their journey and get their insights so as to help young players learn from them. This week, though, will be a little bit different. It'll just be me. I'm going to chat a little bit about my journey growing up as a young player, what went well, what didn't go well, what I would have done differently with hindsight being 2020. Before I get into it, if you want to get in touch, you can do so through my website, which is offfieldrugby.com, or my social medias, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, are all at offfieldrugby. My LinkedIn is my name, Brian Moylet. And also, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to all of you who have gone out to Amazon and bought my new book, the book on how you become a pro rugby player with the foreword by Robbie Henshaw. I released it about 10 days ago, I think it was. I've been working on it for about 10 months. But in the book's first week up on Amazon, it has gone to number one in the rugby charts ahead of the likes of Sia Khaleesi and Sonny Bill Williams's books. It's also gone to number one in the rugby coaching charts ahead of Eddie Jones's two books and others. So yeah, I'm just very, very grateful to all of you who've gone and got the book and left reviews on Amazon. The feedback is incredible. Thank you so much and glad it's helping so much. So my journey where it started out, I grew up in the west of Ireland in a small town called Balna. I don't know, maybe 8,000 people. I grew up outside of it in the countryside. And that's where I started playing rugby, probably about six years of age. I lived about two miles from the local rugby club and all my friends started playing. We were in senior infants in school. And so I remember once I went back to mum and dad at home and I said, hey, I want to start playing rugby. All the lads are playing. And they both said, you're a bit small. Uh, I think you're a bit small, you know, but definitely soon you can start playing. And I turned around to him and said, I'm bigger than him, him and him and he's playing. So I ha- you have to let me play. And so anyway, they let me start playing. Then... I remember a couple of years later, I was about eight or nine years of age, and it was a wet and windy February afternoon. If anyone's been to the west of Ireland or seen Connacht play in Galway, you'll know what the wind is like there. But I was in the TV room with my dad, and I'd been playing for a couple of years mini rugby with my friends. And dad was sitting in his chair in the corner and we had one of those big old TVs with the big backs on them. They must have gone back about two foot. They were huge. But anyway, dad switched over the channel and on came rugby. I was sitting there in the ground watching it. 
and Ireland came out and they were playing against France. And I asked Dad, I was like, what is this? Is it a friendly? And he said, no, it's the Six Nations. I was like, oh, what's that? What's the Six Nations? He said it's a tournament every year where Ireland play against Scotland, Wales, etc. And I was like, oh, cool. And is this the only Ireland team there is? And he said, no, there's underage teams as well. And I said, what underage teams are there? He said, there's an under-20s team and an under-18s team. I was watching the game, I was like, is under-18s the youngest Ireland team there is? And he said, yeah, it is. And I remember then I got up from the ground. I used to sit on the ground in front of the TV. And I got up and I walked down to the garage. I got my boots, put them on, laced them up. I got my ball. Went outside in the lash and rain wind and started running around as if I was playing on the TV. And that day... I decided that I wanted to play for that Ireland under 18 team. I wanted to wear a green jersey. And I remember it so distinctly. And from then on, that was very much in the forefront of my mind. I had been playing rugby like any other kid, just enjoying playing and running around and having fun and I continue to do that after of course but from that moment on I had a dream I started to have a purpose about why I was doing it I I started to think of a bigger picture and from there I started to work hard at what I was doing and When I look back, yeah, at eight or nine, I got that external dream of I want to play rugby for Ireland. I want to wear a green jersey. And the first opportunity I can do that is the under 18s. But I think, to be honest, also around that time, I was a fat kid and no uh, two ways about it. I remember getting teased, bullied, whatever you want to call it, in school, like about being fat. And I always used to think, I'll prove you wrong. I had two really good parents who would have definitely told me that you can't fight and you can't do that. And that's not the way to go about things ever. And so I never did. I've never been in a fight in my life outside of sports and even inside I haven't really but yeah I just remember people teasing me about being fat and about this that the other and it just lit something within me I just remember thinking oh if only we can get on a a field together on a pitch together like I'll show you like I just want to compete against them and show them because obviously I couldn't fight I couldn't channel it that way because my parents would have killed me and so yeah I had that fire within me 
And any opportunity, of course, I got in school, this is, remember, I'm eight, nine years of age, ten years of age, any opportunity I got in school to compete against these people who would tease me or whatever, I would show them, like, I'd just give it everything to show them that I was better than them. And even when I wasn't directly competing against them, just every time I got onto a field was an opportunity just to show that I was good to compete, to show that I could be dominant and win. And I was just so, so, so competitive as a kid. So when I look back, yeah, 100% playing for Ireland was in the forefront of my mind, that Ireland under 18 team. But also internally, I wanted to show people that I was that I was good, that I was, you know, a serious competitor. And sport was just the way to express that. And I played every sport I could growing up. If it was available in Ballina, if there was a club in Ballina, I played it. Like I played hurling, soccer, rugby, tennis, basketball, Gaelic football, golf, swimming, boxing. I did all those competitively at one point or another. And so with this dream, this strong, strong dream in my mind, I had, I was always told that you have to work hard. Like if you're to achieve something, you have to work hard. And I suppose people could see that I wanted it or that I was competitive and driven they wouldn't have known that I wanted to play for Ireland but I suppose every kid does growing up and everyone used to tell me work hard so that's what I did if I was in training as a kid I would try and outwork everyone try and be the best give it everything that I've got I would I remember going runs like around my neighborhood just because I wanted to put in more or I'd go out kicking ball in the back garden in the field next to my house and often I lived about two miles from the rugby club often I would put two rugby balls into my gear bag put that on my back and then have another ball in a shop plastic shopping bag on the handlebar of the bike and I'd cycle down to the rugby club on my own and just kick ball pass for hours on my own because I just loved it and around that time as well as a kid it was all I was interested in sport and I kind of was all in Like, sport was all I wanted to do. I had no interest in school. I didn't dream of being an astronaut or a doctor or a lawyer or any of these professions or things that kids dream of. I had no interest in any of that. Some people are interested in music. I never touched a musical instrument. I just had no interest. You know, my parents would the odd time mention it if it was offered in school and I just said no not interested some 
people were interested in computers back then. I remember we were getting them in school. In primary school, we started to get a computer in the school and some people were interested in doing different things on the computer. Once again, I, I didn't have an interest in it. I lived when I was in school for break time when we could go out and play soccer in the yard or after school when we played Gaelic football or basketball or rugby, whatever it was, that's all I was interested in. So I was kind of on this journey and without making a conscious decision, I was all in on sport. And rugby was always my favourite one. I love Gaelic and basketball as well. But yeah, I was essentially all in on this journey because nothing else excited me. You know, school, music, whatever, anything else. It didn't excite me. It didn't feed the hunger and the fire that I had. And as I said, sport was, and rugby, the avenue where I could express myself best and kind of prove myself you know prove myself to those people who were say laughing at me teasing me whatever and I knew that I could just be better than people and I knew that I could do something even though I was you know a young kid a little bit before that day when I was watching Ireland when I was seven years of age I remember my younger sister had been sick for about a week she was like throwing up and just had a fever high temperature and was just like really sick and so mum brought her up to the doctor and the doctor said that she had to go and do more tests in the local hospital which was about 40 minutes away half an hour 40 minutes away in Castlebar so mum brought her to the hospital and she was there for I think like two or three days and so I didn't see her and then after school one day myself and my brother John went up to the hospital to visit Ellen and see her and I remember going into the hospital and it was kind of eerie and I remember the smell that like hospital smell the big long corridor into the wards and I wasn't really too keen on it I was kind of thinking this isn't a great place but anyway I went down to the ward and went into her room and Ellen was sitting up in the bed mum was sitting next to her crying uncontrollably like I had never seen her cry before and dad was sitting there in a chair next to her just vacant as pale as a ghost and I remember just walking into this and I was like what is happening and I remember mum saying to dad do you know what this means and I just walked around the bed to Ellen and gave her a hug and just started playing with her and chatting with her. She was like four, I was seven and I hadn't seen her in a couple of days. So I was happy to see her, but I was like, what is this? 
Like I'd never in my life seen or felt anything like that. And what it meant, as I found out, was Ellen had been diagnosed with leukemia. And so for the next three, over three years, Ellen was sick and mum used to be driving her up and down to Dublin to Crumlin Hospital. Sometimes they'd be there for a day or two, sometimes it'd be weeks. Sometimes Ellen would come back and we'd be told that she's getting better. And then at times in the middle of the night, mum would have, Ellen would get sick or something would happen. And mum in the middle of the night would have to get her and drive to Castlebar Hospital, the closest hospital to us, half an hour away. And then we wouldn't know what the story is. Some days, seldom, but some days she'd get to come to school with us. Most often she'd be at home. And this was a little bit difficult, but to be honest, it was grand. Looking back, it was, you know, we were all there. It was grand, whatever, we were in it together. And, you know, it was, it wasn't so bad. Because as a kid, when you're eight, nine, ten years of age, if someone gets, when you get sick, and it, you get better. And so, when Ellen got sick, it's just like, all right, she has to go to the hospital and she has to whatever, but she's going to get better. But then, when I was 10, she died. And, yeah, it was really tough, obviously. It was tough on all of us. Um, and I remember Dad suffered with depression for a while. Mum suffered with anxiety. But thankfully they're both doing really, really well now. They're doing brilliantly. But it was, yeah, it was... That was tough. You know, my, when I was 11, 12, 13 throughout my teenage years that was um, yeah very very difficult but I just always remember rugby being sport I keep saying sport and then rugby because rugby is always number one but uh, yeah I remember it just sport just taking on when that happened it just took on a different level of importance for me because when I went to play sport everything in the world was good everything was just brilliant you know because you forget about all of your problems you forget about all of your worries and when you cross the white line everything's good everything's all good and so yeah I just remember loving it and just I couldn't wait to go play and then after school, you know, if I was training every day of the week, like I remember I was boxing quite a lot. I'd be playing rugby every single evening, Monday to Friday, I would have training. When one season would finish, I'd pick up a new sport and I'd do that. Then on the weekends, 
I play rugby on a Saturday. Sometimes I would play basketball Sunday morning and then go and play Gaelic Sunday afternoon. I was just always on the go because, yeah, that time and space playing sport was essentially my happy place. And also, I got something from competing. Like, I'm still very competitive to this day. And it just gave me something like, I just loved pushing myself. Around that time, yeah, I I was really all in on the sport and I just started to love it. So while life was very difficult at times, outside of it, at home, you know, we're all going through grief and our challenges but at the same time it's definitely some of the best times of my life uh, around that time like playing sport I just I can't put into words how much I enjoyed it and so a couple years later I started to get a little bit of recognition started you know Connacht do training squads at I think it's under 15 it starts and it's pretty much, it's very big, it's like 60 kids, maybe brought down to like 45 for the summer. So when I was maybe 14, 15, I used to go up to Galway during the summers, once a week for these conic trainings, which were unreal. And it was cool because I kind of started to see that I was on the right path and that I was doing the right things. And I just kept working hard. Like, it fueled the fire for me to just keep pushing. Around that time when I would say 15, 16, and you start to get into those rep teams, we'll say, even though we didn't really play so many matches, the odd friendly match against the tour inside. But I remember then self-doubt starting to creep in a little bit here and there you know maybe if I was put on a bench for the say Connacht under 16s I'd kind of think you know am I good enough for you know my confidence could kind of like be knocked a little bit and so those things started to creep in a little bit but I would do whatever it took to make sure I would be successful and what I knew back then was you had to work hard. And the way the equation was in my mind was hard work. The more you work, the harder you work, the more success you have. That it was a direct correlation. And so when these doubts would come into my mind, I would try and outwork them. I would go to the gym. I would get on the field and do extra conditioning sessions. I'd practice my skills. I tried to outwork the doubts that would creep in. And when I was 16, I was dropped from the Connacht system. But I just said, I remember thinking, okay, grand. I knew I, w- I, knew I shouldn't have been dropped. I knew that I was better than other players who were included. So I didn't really dwell on it too long, just kept working. And 
I was in school in Tipperary in the middle of the country and so I was in the Leinster catchment area and I just kept playing, played well, was picked up by Leinster six months later and was brought into the Leinster under 17s, the Leinster under 18s the following year and yeah just I'm going to mention it again but hard work just kept working hard and I was getting there like I was year by year getting closer to my dream this whole time playing for that Ireland under 18 team was just right at the forefront of my mind that's just what I wanted to do so I was progressing through the pathways to get there and with the Leinster under 18 team that was the first time that you play competitive matches and first game of the season for the Leinster under 18s I was starting number 8 and current players Jack Conan was there he was in the row Luke McGrath was 9 but that was exciting I actually got concussed first game unfortunately I missed 3 weeks I came back just before the first interprovincial game and was on the bench but anyway I got selected in the Ireland under 18 squad around then and there was two camps in Clongos a school in Ireland two kind of three day camps a two day camp a three day camp I think it was they went really well I remember being excited like stepping up in level I had done pretty well for Leinster I knew the guys there the majority of the squad were Leinster players so I knew most of the guys there was a couple of Connacht players I knew them from my time there and with every step up I remember for sure there's nerves but nerves are normal and I kind of knew back then that nerves were normal but I do remember being excited in our first morning in camp when we went down to breakfast there were all these forms on a table to the left of when you walk into the dining hall, the breakfast hall. And I remember the strength and conditioning coach said, all right, guys, fill out these forms and then come over here and get weighed in. And the forms were how you slept, how you felt, how your body felt, all that, which is pretty commonplace now. But I remember thinking, well, this is cool and getting weighed in and just the professionalism of it all. I enjoyed meeting the guys from other provinces, from Ulster, Munster, that I didn't know. And of course, the training was class. Like, you're with the best of the best for your age group. And it's just so much faster and more organized. There's great coaches there. And yeah, it was just really exciting. Those first two camps, I remember they went really well. At the end of the second one, we had a training match. I was balling out, went well, just playing in the zone. And then players were cut and we had a third camp. And this camp was the one before the first game. So the first game was against Italy in the Six Nations. And this last camp, it was kind of, it was known, we were let known that this was the last camp before the 22 are selected, 22 man squads back then to play Italy and I remember thinking whoa whoa like here I am wow 
I've worked for literally 10 years to get to here. Wow, this is cool. Like, I'm potentially going to play for Ireland and, and do this now. Like, wear that green jersey and play for the Ireland under-18s like I'd literally dreamt about and like I'd worked so, so hard to do. And we went into that third camp. It was in Black Rock in Dublin. We were staying in a hotel called Tara Towers, I remember. And the first day of the camp, after we met up and we assembled and we got our rooms and put our gear into our rooms and we came down, we had unit meetings. So we had a forwards meeting. And I remember everyone cramming into this kind of smallish room and you could feel the nervous energy you know like everyone knew we had been let known even when we assembled that this two-day camp after it they were going to pick the team that was going to go play Italy and you could feel then in that meeting the kind of nervousness the tension and then the coach came in and in the corner of the room was one of those paper flip charts and the coach said hello and then he went over and he said we're going to go through some lineouts and he started drawing all these X's and O's whatever drawing all these lineouts on the paper and then he turned to us after about a minute and he said right guys we're going through all our lineouts now and then in training in 15 minutes we're going to be going through our lineouts I've put the five man up here and I'm going to put up the seven in a sec. And you need to learn all these. You need to know these. Every move, all the roles, when we get out onto the field. This is the difference between playing with your club or school or provincially and playing with Ireland. And you need to be able to get this. And then as you turn back to draw more. I remember feeling my chest tighten and feel this weight come onto my shoulders and I started finding it hard to breathe as I watched him scribble more and more lineouts on this page in the corner. I started to feel a cold sweat and I started to think Brian, you shouldn't be here. There's no way you're going to learn all of these lineouts within 15 minutes. Know them all perfectly by the time we get onto the field. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not good enough. You're not good enough for international level. You shouldn't be here. Like, he just said it. You've been found out. That's how I felt. I was like, oh. And all those little doubts, self-doubt that I would have had, little tiny little bits of it. It was like a tsunami. And sitting there in that room, I couldn't hear anything that was being said. I remember just wanting to get out of there. 
it had felt like oh you've been found out and all my energy went and at the end of the meeting he said right you can wait here and we've 10 minutes he went through a few of them he went through them all and then I couldn't hear what he was saying I was just sitting there in my chair in shock and we after the meeting got up walked to the field I remember being so vacant we went to the field put on our boots and I had no energy I had lost all self-belief confidence everything and I just was telling myself you shouldn't be here you shouldn't be here you're not good enough to be here why are you here and we went through them I fucked up a few times I then tried to not be in the line out you know I tried to be one of the extra guys that would stand on the side and went horribly we went back to the hotel we then remember had dinner and different things and I remember that night in my bed just thinking oh why can't it happen already why does there have to be another day that in the evening they said that everyone for the next camp bring a pair of your club or school socks and swap them with your roommate they were trying to build like team culture and connections and I remember thinking well I won't be here I don't need to do that and I remember my roommate telling me like oh what school are you in oh oh, I play with this school and what colours are you and you know we're just chatting like just like like simple small chat or whatever we're just chatting away and who who are you playing next and whatever whatever and I remember just being like answering the questions but knowing that I wouldn't be there that I wouldn't be giving him those socks and I started to feel awful in that I then started to think oh he knows I'm no good he knows I shouldn't be here either he's probably just being nice to me he knows I shouldn't be here and anyway next day we wake up go to breakfast and we have two more sessions first session second session there's a a match trial match and I just couldn't wait for it to end I literally that night going to bed just felt like shit waking up the next day I just couldn't wait for it to end to be able to get back on the bus get out of that environment get on the bus into town and get back on the bus home to Ballina and just get away from it all anyway obviously it ended the we played the match I could barely function and yeah got the email saying that I wasn't selected I knew obviously halfway through the camp that I wasn't going to be selected so there was no shock there and I remember for about two months I just was in a bad place like I'd lost all confidence and self-belief in myself I had worked for 10 years to achieve this goal 
and I had gotten so close and I had failed. And I remember just thinking I was useless, that I was a fraud, that I had been found out, that I was shit. Like, I was literally telling myself, you are so shit. Who were you to have thought that you could have achieved that? All these years, like, the signs were there. You know, these little times that the self-doubt or lack of confidence would creep in. Or I'd have a setback like our team would lose and I'd beat myself up for a few days saying that I should have done more and I should have been better. Or a coach would say certain things to me and I'd start to think that I wasn't good enough. You know, these little things in my mind happened throughout the years. But as I said, I had believed that if you work hard, you'll have success. So I always just tried to outwork them. And I, it had kind of worked, you know, like I kept progressing through the levels. I kept playing well, you know, I'd bounce back and I'd play well. But then when I had been right on the cusp in the last selection to achieve my dream, it had all come crashing down. It was as if a house of cards had just come crashing down. And yeah, for two months I was distraught. And it's funny, on the outside looking in, you would rationally think and believe it's like, how can a player who's right on the edge of getting selected for the Irish under 18 squad or the 20 match day squad then think they're shit? And like, when I say I thought I was shit, like, I thought I was useless. That's how my mind was. I know that it makes no sense rationally, but that's where I was. That's what place I was in mentally. And I was really lucky because while I was playing with Leinster, I grew up supporting Connacht. And Connacht was always my team. I started going to the sports ground to watch them as early as I can remember. Like, I, I don't know, maybe... I've, yeah, as early as I can remember, I'd been watching them. And I'd been playing with Leinster, but Nigel Carolyn, who was the Connacht Academy manager at the time and the Connacht under-20s coach, had been involved a little bit with the Irish schools. He was like a guest coach in the first two camps. He wasn't the involved in the coaching team, but he came into the first two camps. I think all of the provincial coaches or all of the academy managers came into those first two camps probably like professional development for them and just to do more coaching and just get involved or whatever. I remember there was like seven or eight coaches, which was class. You know, you're being you're around great coaches and that was brilliant. But two months after I got released from the Irish setup, Nigel gave me a call and I suppose was asking how I was and essentially he said to me, I'd love for you to come down and play with Connacht if you're interested. He said, I think you're a really good player. And I was really impressed by you in those Irish camps. I remember being like, whoa, this guy thinks I'm a good player. Maybe I'm not shit. And of course I said yes. Like, that was unreal. I couldn't wait to get started. 
And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the Connick setup, but I'd been dropped a couple of years earlier. That was always more me. Like that's that's what I wanted to do. And I started to get a little bit more belief. I started to think, you know what, actually I I had that that I had that failure. It didn't work out, but you know, maybe I actually can do something. And then I thought, you know, Brian, you've worked so hard for all this time. Like, why would you give up now? You know, there's Irish 19s next year. Like, you, it's possible you could make that. And so, around that time, I decided, yep, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to go and try and make this Irish 19s team. I'm not giving up on the dream. I'm not quitting. Even though at times I did feel like that. I felt like giving up on having ambitions. I felt like I would stop trying and that I would just play sports socially. Because I felt like a failure. And at that time I thought that if you're a failure, you're a failure. And I didn't have a growth mindset. Well, I suppose I probably did, but I I kind of wasn't resilient. I, It was the biggest setback I'd ever had. And I just thought that was me done. But anyway, Nigel gave me that call and it started to get my enthusiasm back. I started to believe again. But I remember thinking, all right, if you're to make this Irish 19s team, you need to right the wrongs of what just happened. And it was at that moment that I had the epiphany that the mental side is what I needed to work on. Even though everyone had told me, when you work hard, you get success, and that's true to a point, and you know had been true for me for a lot like I'd worked very hard on my physical skills my gym my passing my all that stuff tackling everything and I had had success when it really mattered most I had crumbled mentally and so I realized that if I were to have success next year and make that Irish under 19 squad what I had to do is become a confident player when I went into that squad, evening camps one and two, while I was excited and I felt great, I wasn't very prominent in team discussions or I kind of just kept myself a little bit and did my work and played ball. And I saw these other guys who ultimately got selected and they projected their voice when they were out in the field, when they were walking around the team room or the hotel they walked like a confident person walks they were confident enough to go up and have a chat with the coach I wouldn't have been and I just realised that I had to become that person I saw them in the camps and then I saw the 22 that was named for the match day squad and all those guys were in the squad and all the guys who were, you could say shy, shy is maybe not the great word, best word and of course it's okay to have different personalities but the ones who were reserved and not, you could see it, you you can see it always, you know, when you go into a, 
a team, the ones who aren't confident and the ones who are. And I remember, I remember looking at that squad and thinking about the all the guys that were in the camps, and the confident ones got picked, and the ones who weren't didn't. And so, I decided there and then, I will become a confident player. And so I just started to act as if I was one. I literally started to act as they did. I would walk and talk the way they did. I stood up tall with my shoulders back, my chest out, started to look people in the eye when I talked to them. I literally started to act as if I was confident. And soon enough I became that. And I went on to have, you know, a brilliant year. I'd put in the work physically, you know, like I was in a good place, even though for a while I thought I was useless. And so when I added this, when I started to get confidence and from there, my self-beliefs started coming back. I started really believing myself that I could make this Irish 19s team. I started playing some of the best rugby in my life. I played with the Connacht under 20s a year young and was playing with the Lansdowne under 20s up in Dublin and I think I might have maybe no I don't think I got my first AIL cap but I might have got in with the seniors for a training session or two but anyway yeah a year later I made the Irish under 19s team I played against France and yeah it was incredible and yeah it was just such a a brilliant moment to achieve that dream that I had wanted to do for so long but I remember as well okay yeah I had achieved that dream and I'd stood out there and sung the national anthem and I was out there with some of my best friends some guys that I was just so close with because we'd been playing together and that was just an unreal occasion but I remember as well like the penny dropping and having another will say epiphany or just realizing that I was in control that I had power over my mind and that I could make drastic changes and have drastically different results if I worked on my mind and that was the first time that I really realized that it wasn't just work hard physically and you have success that that is not the equation you have to practice mental skills you have to get your mindset right and I realized and I kind of had the proof that I could be and become whatever I wanted to like I went from that dark place for two months after I was dropped to then turning it around and literally becoming one of the most confident players in this every squad I was in now whether technically or not I was the most confident I don't know obviously who knows but I just felt unstoppable I literally felt like I could beat anyone I could do anything and that I was going to have success 
I felt incredible. I felt unstoppable. Really did. And yeah, it was just so good. And I've seen these turnarounds now in players that I work with one-on-one. And some of the teams I've worked with as well. You can, unlike the physical side, it takes time to develop physical skills and to get stronger. And the mental side is not flicking a switch, absolutely not. But you can make drastic changes in very short periods of time. You can have massive turnarounds. And I've seen it happen quite a few times with the players I work with now and that is just something that I enjoy so much and when I was 18 that was the time that I started to understand that the equation was not just work hard physically and you'll have success that the equation actually was you got to work hard physically and mentally and then you will have success and achieve your dreams and get the most out of yourself and so I was doing it all my myself in that I then went you know on this further journey delving into the mental side of the game and it was slowly you know bit by bit I would pick things up and more so in my mid-twenties I really went hard into it but that's I suppose the beginning of why I'm doing what I'm doing now and why I started this podcast why I wrote the book on how you become a pro rugby player because when I was younger as I've said I didn't understand what it was what you needed to do to be successful and also when I talk about you know my story in that it was through failure that I learned and then I would have looked at YouTube or different things but I never had a mental skills coach and I never was taught these things even though I played in the Connacht system, Leinster system, the Irish system I never did a session with a mental skills coach throughout all of that so yeah a couple of years ago yeah 18 months ago I realized that young players need this and it's funny that everyone these days I think or anyone I talk to people understand the importance of the mental side of the game you know people will say oh it's all about the top two inches it's all about being strong mentally being resilient but what support do players get If you're in a professional team, yes, you will have a mental skills coach that you'll see regularly. Or if you're a top professional, you will probably also pay to go and see one outside of that team. But if you're a young, ambitious player, you've no support. And even if you're in uh, the start of development setups, and you're starting to get picked on maybe a county team or a provincial team at under 16, under 18 level, under 19, whatever it is. 
or get into a university team the first thing is you'll get a strength and conditioning coach you'll get a gym program and you'll go and work hard physically and as I said that's a huge part of it don't get me wrong you got to work like a savage you got to put the work in in the gym on the field conditioning extra skill sessions you got to do all that but you don't get the support mentally and that ultimately if you don't look at it will be your downfall I've no doubt about it and you might be able to keep going for a certain period of time like I was like yeah I was involved with Connacht I got dropped but I played with Leinster and we won the interprovincials I got into a couple of Ireland squads like I had had relatively for someone of that age good success but it was a matter of time it was when not if I crumbled mentally I fully believe because I hadn't worked on it I didn't know about it so anyway that's why I do this and it's just so so important for young players but young players I think can very easily get a gym program but there has been no mental skills program and so my new book the book on how you become a pro rugby player is exactly that it is the equivalent of a gym program but for the mindset mental side of the game it's like a roadmap. it shows you exactly what you need to do in clear and simple understandable language and the frameworks within the book are very easy to follow step by step this is not a book that you have to be a university professor to be able to understand believe me it's written for young players and the frameworks will show you how you develop your confidence and self-belief then section two gives you strategies that will teach you how you play in the zone every time you step on the field and you will through putting these practices into place you'll start to feel unstoppable every time you're out in the field and you'll be fully in control the same way you know that if you follow your gym program you will feel strong on the field or you will feel strong if you do your work in the gym you will feel strong and you will get stronger the same way you put these practices into place you will feel so confident and you'll feel unstoppable and also section one is very much about the mindset and going through that it talks about dreaming big and over helps you overcome limiting beliefs that you may have that are holding you back and when you finish section one you will feel like you can achieve anything you can achieve way more and you will set your sights way higher and when I say it'll make you feel like you can achieve way more it's because you can so often in life you limit yourself by setting conservative goals and you do that because you're afraid of failure and you have limiting beliefs oh I'm not good enough all these different things that creep in so you hold yourself back so section one will help you get through that and then the last section section three is more 
practical insights into how you get paid to play, how you get into pathway systems, how you progress through those pathway systems, what routes there are into professional rugby and how you go about it. So just a couple of learnings um, from what I was chatting about my journey. What I think are really important and what I talk about in the book as well is first up dreaming big, like having a very, very big dream. And something I like from Richard Branson, what he says is your dreams should be so big that they scare you. And that's fact. Your dream should feel like it's out of reach. And you don't need to know how you're going to get there. Like when I was looking back, when I was eight or nine years of age, I didn't really know the direct path on how I was going to get there. And I knew that there was a whole country of people. or It wasn't very easy. Of course, winning a game when you're eight years of age, winning the game at the weekend is easy because it's straightforward. It's right in front of you. Or making the under 10s team is straightforward. It's in front of you. But making a national under 18 team that's 10 years away is pretty big. And then another thing that's really important for you in achieving your goals and your dreams is to get rid of the plan B. Don't have a backup plan. You need to go all in. 100%. And I have studied and heard from successful people in all different areas of life and they all say this. You can't be thinking, oh, well, if I don't achieve this, I can just go and do this other thing or spread your eggs across different baskets. If you give 90% of your energy to one thing and 10% of your energy to another thing, then you'll know that there's more in you to give (laughs) to the main thing. Like you'll know, even if you get selected on certain teams or you have certain successes, don't get me wrong, of course you can have some success. But you'll always know that you have more in you. You'll always know that you could have done more. And so yeah, when I just look back, me as a kid growing up, there wasn't any other thing I wanted to do. I was just, I was all in. And I've made millions of mistakes as well. And after this, I, I talked about kind of up until I was about 18. I made loads and loads and loads of mistakes after. Made plenty of mistakes before. And yeah, I really, I just realized the you got to have a plan A. You got to have one thing you're striving towards and go get it. I have at times started to have the plan B and it just takes focus away from the plan A. And I've realized in recent times, just more and more in the last couple of years, got to get rid of that plan B. Another thing which is important is savage work ethic. Just you got to outwork everyone. And that's pretty obvious. You know, once again, anyone who's successful in anything will tell you that they have to work like a dog. And then the last thing that I would advise young players or just from my own experience that's the only experience I can draw upon but the other thing that you have to do is study the mental side practice the mental skills the same way you do the physical skills because there's two sides to the coin 
they are as important as the physical skills. There is no point, like you saw me or heard from my story, there's no point in working hard ten, for 10 years, being strong, being fit, being have working on your skills, being well able to pass and tackle and all that stuff, to then having zero confidence, self-belief, no energy, and thinking you're shit. <laughs> it's no good. So... Yeah, just a couple of quick ones, as I mentioned, advice for young players. Dream big, don't have a plan B. Have Outwork everyone around you. Be the hardest worker in your team. Don't let anyone outwork you. And then the last thing is, start to work on the mental skills now. And I've tried to make this as accessible as possible, and that's my mission. My mission is to help young players with the mental side of the game. So I do this podcast there's 67 odd episodes now in it you can go back and listen to those my book the book on how you become a pro rugby player with the forward by Robbie Henshaw Robbie gives great insights as well from his journey and what helped him when he was younger helped him get to where he is but that book is available now on Amazon and I'm telling you that that will be the best investment that you make in your rugby bang for buck dollar for dollar euro it's I can say that with 100% confidence that you won't make a better investment in yourself and that'll be your roadmap. that's your guide that shows you gives you the tools the strategies and different frameworks that you can follow and you can directly just easily put into practice you can put them into practice just as easily as a gym program it's straightforward and yeah you'll see the benefits of preparing mentally so hey thanks Emil for clicking in as always I greatly appreciate it and if you want to get in contact the best way to do so is through my website offfieldrugby.com also through my social medias of course twitter instagram tiktok are all at off field rugby and if you're a player and you would like to work together one-on-one then yeah give me a shout through any of those different channels and we'll set up a zoom call we'll have a chat see where you're at and see if it'll work if you're a coach and you would like to work together to help your team with different things i've chatted about become more confident have self-belief be able to perform under pressure and ultimately win on the field then yeah get in touch with me as well and I am currently in Vancouver most of the work I do with teams is on Zoom but I'm actually going to be in the UK and Ireland for December and January for work and then in the new year in late January the very end of January I'm moving down to New Zealand I've got a really cool opportunity there next season their season starts then and yeah really excited for it but if you're in Ireland or the UK December January get in touch we could do something in person if not Zoom is a pretty good alternative lastly Please make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening and please send this podcast on to some friends. 
would really appreciate that that's how the podcast grows and there's lots of episodes now already done that you can go back and listen to hear from different people hear different stories learn from different people and yeah have a brilliant rest of your day greatly appreciate you being here as always any questions thoughts anything get in touch with me would love to hear from you cheers have a good one